SMC Fireside Chats, a weekly show featuring conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and outdoor hospitality experts who share their insights to help your business succeed. Hosted by Brian Searle, the founder and CEO of Insider Perks, and powered by insights from Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle uh, with Insider Brooks. I'm super excited to be here for our third week episode focused on campground owners. We've got a couple of recurring guests with us here, some who couldn't make it. But we've got Candace here from Stainless, who's a new recurring guest as of last month on this show. And then we've got also Scott Nepp, our expert management consultant from Ivy Management Group here, who has joined us as well. And then we've got a couple of really cool special guests who, honestly, we've probably heard about for a long time, right? Wayne's kind of new to care camps, but she's for sure we've all heard of care camps. And I have no idea why I'm like super washed out, by the way. I'm actually not this day in real life. Anyway, so we've got Gwen here from uh, Care Camp. She's going to talk to us a little bit about that organization, all the good things that they're doing. Obviously, longtime supporters of Care Camps and things like that, but super excited to hear some of the latest updates, things that Care Camps is working on, ways that we can all support them. Aaron, am I pronouncing your last name right? Is it theme or theme or team? Did I get it right the first time? Really? All right, awesome. So obviously, Erin's super famous and been on like every show and won all kinds of awards. One of the last people that she's up to. That's just, she's on her media circuit and now the last most important one she's here appearing on. So super excited to hear from Erin in Town Camp Brown, all of the great things that she's accomplished and done. And then uh, Mark and Melanie, who I know from years ago, Mark and Melanie, they invited me to stop by their campground when I was in Niagara Falls and I tried to message them and then they never responded. <laughs> that was like a year and a half ago. Don't but, take it personally. Yeah, I don't. I figured you guys were busy running the campground or something or whatever you were doing. So, um, everybody seems to be work here except for me. I just show up, host the show. But see, we're excited to have both of you guys here. They're a great campground in Canada. Going to tell us a little bit about their, their work there and some rewards and things they won. I don't know. Where do we want to start here? Does anybody have anything from our recurring guests or, or really just our special guests? Is there anything that you guys have that you feel is super important that we should talk about? We last got together 30 days. If not, we can just jump right into it. Analysts, all that kind of stuff, but putting you on the spot a little bit. But all right, let's let's start with Mark and Melanie since I'm in Canada and I can be biased. So, Mark and Melanie, you want to tell us just like first, just give us like everybody will go around the room and give a brief intro, right? So, Mark and Melanie and then Aaron, and then obviously Candace and Scott getting through yourselves and your companies and then went to care camps. I probably will close Gwen with you with care camps. When I say close, we'll give you as much time as possible, but I'd just rather not have something I have to get to. So we can talk to Caracan about Caracan as much as possible. But go ahead, Mark and Melanie. Yeah, so we're Mark and Melanie. We own Willow Lake Campground in Woodstock, Ontario, which is southwest Ontario. We've owned the campground now six and a half years. This is just wrapped up our seventh summer. We, we lived in Toronto, had fancy corporate jobs, quit it all, sold our house, packed it all in, and moved to farm country to buy a campground. Because like so many campers who say, oh, owning a campground, that looks fun. Uh, uh, and then you actually own one and you realize it's still fun, but anyway, so we've, yeah, we've been really active within the Ontario private campground association here, our local community, won a number of awards for some of our local efforts, as well as just, just some of the things we do for our campgrounds. Oh, we love it. It's great gig. Uh, we just wrapped up, we closed for our seasonals 
Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, a couple of days ago. We're getting this in, in our nap time, uh, time of the year. We're happy to be here and awake. And uh, you've alluded to some awards, Brian. Thank you. We're very proud of that. In our first year of operation in 2017, we won Best Small Campground in all of Ontario by the Ontario Private uh, Campground Association. And then in 2021, uh, we were awarded Best Customer Service as voted by campers in Ontario. And then in 2022, our wee little camp store was awarded Best Camp Store in Ontario. And we are literally 190 square feet. So that was something. Yeah. So that's a bit about us. Do you feel like you've set goals now that you've been the best in Ontario to be like take over Quebec and just expand or? Yeah, my, my French is still grade four French, so I might be able to order a sandwich, but that'd be about it. No, we occasionally talks about what's next and is it another campground as well as this, but we are truly a mom and pop. We've got a couple of staff in the summer. We really like our gig and uh, this keeps us pretty busy as it is. Awesome. Aaron, you want to introduce us to in-town campground if I can make you bigger over here? Sure. Be happy to. So my name's Aaron Theme. I own with my husband the Intone Campground, which is in Northern California. And we celebrated 10 years yesterday of having purchased the property. We built our campground from the ground up and it's been open for a little over seven years. Similar time frame in terms of campground ownership. We're tenting, glamping, and RVing. And we're not close for the season. We're actually right in the thick of our Halloween fun as we've got lots and lots and lots of decorations. Over at our campground, we will be open for RVs through the end of December. And uh, yeah, previous to building and running a campground, I owned and ran a small note, which I actually sold last year. So I have ended that chapter of hospitality. But our accolade of 2023 was that we won the USA Today 10 Best best RV Campground, which is a popularity contest that the USA Today puts on. So that one was really exciting. Huge shout out and pat on the back for all of us that work at the campground. So. Awesome. I definitely want to dive more into what you've accomplished over the years and things like that. Candace and Scott, you want to give a brief intro and then we'll save the, no offense guys, best for last. It's care camps, right? We do better sure. things all of us combined probably. So I'm Candace McAvara. I'm the Vice President of Business Development for Stalus, which is an all-in-one platform for reservation software for campgrounds. That's about it. <laughs> no awards. Except for best showing at the I expo, was, right? Well, there's there's some of those, <laughs> I think. Hey, everybody. My name is Scott Neff, and I'm the director of operations with the Ivy Management Group. We have a portfolio of properties. I think we're up to 13 across the country that we operate for ownership groups. We also do some consulting and pre-development services. We will be at Arvik and hope to shake hands and give high fives to a lot of listeners and some folks that, that are here on the panel today. Awesome. Gwen, you want to start? Sure. See, there's my mouse cooperating. Yeah. Thank you. First of all, Brian, thank you so much for having me on today here and in, in featuring Care Camps. I serve as the executive director uh, for Care Camps as of the beginning of this year. Uh, as you alluded, I'm uh, a, a little newer on the scene here. Care Camps is a national nonprofit. We really function as a charity here to fund pediatric oncology camps or camps for children with cancer and their families across the United States and Canada. The, the campgrounds, the RV and outdoor industry is in super supportive of our mission and our cause. And the care camps, even though I just came on board here, this year, Care Camps has actually been around 
for 39 years. And next year, we're going to be celebrating our 40th anniversary. This is a, a tiny, mighty, and a, a, quite a, a force of an <clears throat> that has impacted a, a lot of children and their families. So just so proud and honored to be a part of this and just really appreciate all the support from everyone that made this possible. For sure. Like you guys have a very long history. Like we've been, I think the first time I, and this is way before your time, right? Yeah. Uh, came across Jerry Dale was the executive director, like 2010, <laughs> 2011, something like that. And we went out and did a bunch of free videos for them. It's on the care camps in South That's North awesome. Carolina. Yeah. And so, yeah, as, as much as we can be involved, always we will be. Hopefully I'll look a little bit better than this like washed out and whatever that's going on here. Than I am, but yeah. All right. So let's, uh, what do we want to dive into, right? Cause obviously I want to talk a lot about care camps at the end. No offense to everybody else. I want to talk a lot about you guys too. Uh, let's dive in with Aaron, right? Cause I've seen Aaron, we've seen you obviously winning some awards. You've got a good relationship. I feel like Mark Kep. Uh, you've done some videos with him and some boards and things like that. You know, tell us how did in town get started? Let's start there for those who have not heard of in town. Sure. So we, as I said before, built our campground. My husband did an MBA program in, at the University of Otago in Dunedin, New Zealand. And so we lived in New Zealand for five years during and after his MBA program. And we got to travel around the country quite a bit. And at that time, our kids were quite young. And so we stayed in what the Kiwis call the holiday park model, which is that tenting RV sites and often would be cabins or motel units, not necessarily glamping tents, but we thought that would be a good model to bring back to Northern California with us. So when we took over the family business, the small motel, we just kept looking for the right property to make that happen, having a good knowledge of our community and the destination and recreation and outdoor hospitality that was already happening. And I do have a good relationship with Mark. I, I do get to have the credit that I was the one who encouraged him to create his Facebook group. For those who don't, aren't members of the RV Park owner and manager's Facebook group, it's a wealth of information. So he will happily fact check me on that one. That was my idea and he ran with it. But I think that the reason I probably have gotten in on some people's awareness and in the news and hopefully a lot of customers is that I have a really strong visual storytelling background that I brought into the campground from before we built it to during we building it to opening it to current today with lots of people in Halloween decorations. I do try to tell the story through an interesting visual way, which I think does maybe set me aside from some of the other campgrounds out there. So happy so, to answer any questions if you have any. I would love to hear for all the people out there who watch the show, a lot of them are campground under a small mom and pop operations, right? And and just me coming from a marketing geeky background, I would love to hear your thoughts on why that branding is so critical to set yourself apart in some yeah. way, not necessarily the same way you did it, right? but in some way. Yeah, I think that we are constantly trying to give people realistic expectations about what they might experience at our campground. We do have a beautiful forested campground with these amazing trees and we're Northern California, so wooded forest area. How does the branding set aside? I don't know. I think I'm constantly reminding people of what they're going to experience. We've, because we built it, we have lots of little details that the customers appreciate. It's all designed specifically for the customer experience. We really wanted them to feel like they were in a state park with some of those, but the amenities of a private campground and having had the clean slate, it did help with that vision and implementation of creating the campground. Um, I don't really know if that's necessarily the answer to brand. Yeah, let me clarify a little bit because you were talking about the storytelling that you do. 
And that's where I was going. Tell your unique, what are your traits brought and how you feel like that campground succeed. Sure. So previous to opening the campground, I did a local blog for our other business, which, and so I had a really strong, already existing wheelhouse of creating content for our community and things to do and, and getting people excited about what's happening in our area. And so I brought that to the campground when I, we, before we opened it and during building it and then after. So I think that I think that's probably something that has been unique. I don't know. There's lots of people out there that help share what's happening in their campground and their communities. But that is something that I have been passionate about for the last decade plus. So does that answer the question? I think so. I guess maybe, maybe I'm just asking the wrong question, right? I think I just feel like, and maybe it's just because I'm in the industry and I look at so many things every day and I think that my perception is that Aaron is a little bit more visible than some of the other campground owners out there, which is a compliment. Thank you. And so I'm just wondering if there's perhaps some guidance that maybe you could give other owners on not necessarily, again, not taking the same path you do because not everybody's comfortable on camera or doing all the things, right? But is there something they can do that kind of would help them in that regard? I think if you can give your customers an opportunity to visualize themselves at your campground, that's a great tool. So whether or not that's at their specific sites or on the grounds or in the community or to do so that they can be like, oh, I want to be there. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to have that experience and give them a little FOMO to get them to motivate to book. Awesome. All right. I definitely want to talk to you more. Is there anything I'm missing that I want to talk about in time campground about? Future plans. Let's talk about that briefly, right? So for us who follow you in the industry, right? You've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot. Is there, what's in the future for InTown? Is there upgrades? Are you going to start 19 InTown campgrounds or? No. <laughs> No, I'm not. That was uh, a quick no. <laughs> I don't know. We have three more years of kids at home. And then we're like, what's next? Travel the world, explore. But uh, we, we're constantly changing existing units within our campground. We can't expand out within our footprint because we are landlocked of other places, businesses around us. But we have converted tent sites into glamping tents. We did add a yurt this year, which first time. There are some plans for some additional glamping tents for next year. So we are, we're constantly tweaking things and listening to the customers in terms of what's, what they're looking for. I think that's always the best path, right? Like, uh, I'm sure like Mark and Melanie, you can speak to that, right? As you have built up Willow Lake. So same kind of, let's take the same brief path with you, right? Tell us a little bit about Willow Lake and how you guys got started. Yeah. I think you talk about brand and, and brands going back, this park had been around for actually almost a hundred years. We went back to. When we bought the campground, we really didn't get a lot of records or information. We went uh, not only to the local museum, but the county archives. And the earliest record we've got of this property being a day-use picnic park was around 1928, where people would come for their day picnics, do all that. And so this park was famous for being a campground, more tenting or all the old pop-up trailers, but a day park up until sort of the mid-90s. When we bought it, we actually had to shift the vision or the view of a lot of the locals as well as campers about Willow Lake. Because quite honestly, the folks who owned it before us had it for 47 years. They were in their 80s. They're pretty checked out, lovely people. But thank God everything was physically in good shape. So the septic, the well, all that. But the, the place was a ghost town. tired. Yeah. So when we bought it, again, we really had to do a lot of work above ground. Lots of cans of paint. But underground was good. But people had thought Willow Lake had gone out of business. And it never did at any point. That actually worked in our favor. We were able to say, hey, we're Mark and Melanie, we're here and we're 
going to bring Willow Lake to life. And really what we did, because we were campers before, and we stole shamelessly from Absolutely. a lot of great parks we'd been to. And we're like, oh yeah, we like that part of the park. We like that feature they do. We know that service and customer service is always number one. But in the early days, really our involvement in the community and getting out there and saying, hey, we're Willow Lake now. And also, how can we support you? Yeah. What can we do to support you in the community? And that was really well received and started the ball rolling. And and really, from a branding perspective, we became the brand. The name Willow Lake Campground had been there for 100 years, but now we needed to say, differentiate ourselves currently from what it had been historically. So above our front door, it's Mark and Melanie welcomes you. We are the owners, the hosts, the, 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 the people who repair the septic. We do everything. And now when people come up, it's great because you know, we have a couple little videos on our website of drive arounds and some, some sort of marketing things that local tourism uh, offices have done for us. So people arrive and they're like, hey, you're Mark, you're Melanie. It's actually you guys. Yeah. yeah. It's one of us greeting them when they check in the camp store and yeah, it's that recognition of, oh, wow, there really are the people that they say are behind the business or in front of the business and they're standing in front of me right now. Yeah. And, uh, and that really our here was really, truly about bringing people to the park. Second year was about bringing new people and reinviting those that came that first year. And then, and then there was something called COVID for a couple of years. So it was just do your best to survive. But we really were very fortunate because we have such a loyal group of customers and guests that come in each year. But even still surprising to us is we ran the numbers for this summer. And more than 50% of our campers are still net new to the park and, and have never been before. So each year we continue to have this great base of returning campers. Again, we work with the community. We do some local radio advertising. We do some sponsorship. We work with uh, a number of different charities. And that just helps new people go, hey, we should really check out this park. Yeah, every year is something new. It's fun and exciting. So tell us, what did you guys have planned for the future? I know you touched that briefly, but. What do you have? What's well, we Willow Lake like in, in five years? Do you know, or is it ever evolving? Or We've done a lot to this point. One of the things that we committed to was introducing something new to the park each year and having that represented on our website. And so first year, as Mark alluded to, was a lot of painting. It was putting in a playground. Where we're located is the dairy capital of Canada. So our recreation hall, we had it painted like a cow, those sorts of things. And in the years we've added uh, mini putt, doubled the size of our playground. We introduced a food truck because we weren't busy enough. But we do the, the events like the Christmas in July, the Halloween in August. We do superheroes for our Labor Day. We do crafts. I don't know. Yeah, we're landlocked, so we really can't develop any more land. But I think it's about taking a look at what we've done as well and either improving on that year over year or cutting it out because we looked at one of our events this summer, and it really didn't get the, the excitement we anticipated even after five or six years of doing it. Maybe it's about eliminating things now and adding absolutely new things to use to reinvigorate the program. I'm curious, Scott, from your side at a management group, managed of I think 13 parks properties now, is there, a di- is there a different train of thought you feel like coming from a, a management group or a larger ownership group coming into making some of these adjustments that Aaron and Mark and Melody are talking about the property or is it the same process? It's all about guest experience and ROI and what performs best for your type of camper. Yeah, a lot of what I heard Mark and Melanie describe are, are a journey that we help a lot of ownership groups take. And I think it's a, a great question and, and I and I love the approach that they take because that's what we always recommend is 
if you're watching your business and you're seeing what's growing and, and what's naturally fading, that's your biggest hill right there. Is do when you look at your playground at peak times, do you have enough spots for the kids? And then do you have enough seating area for the parents? And if you notice your playground growing, what are the ripples on that, right? Maybe we need to intentionally put a summer camp on the books. Maybe that will drive some revenue to the park and give some intentionality behind some things because people love events and themed weeks, you know, or, uh, and then also to that point of why take on the expense if it's not going to yield a great guest experience. And then also we all have limited bandwidths and with limited budgets. So it would be better to focus the energy and the money into, into be great at, at a, at a shorter list than to be decent at a really long list. Right. So I really love the approach that I've heard Mark and Melanie take and also how fortunate that they've gotten to spend their time above ground, right? Because that's another thing that we hear too, is you get all these great plans and then you have that, that health inspector come and look below the ground and, and what a great thing to be able to, to keep your focus where it should be, which is on the employee and the guest experience. Yeah, I, I applaud their mentality and approach there. And I think if I can just add on to what Scott yeah. said too, and we're not... Uh, ashamed to say we're a business. We'll have campers sometimes say, and usually it's the seasonals, let's be honest. And they're like, oh, you should do this and you should do this. And I said, that doesn't make us money and we're still a business. And I think people a lot of times look at recreational operations as almost like a city run park. You can just, they're fun, they're free. You can come and go as you want. But at the end of the day, we're a business and, and we're, we're not out to get rich and famous. If we want to do that, we would have stayed in our corporate jobs. But by saying to people, hey, listen, it's got to have a return for us to be able to invest the money into putting in X, Y, Z sort of thing, just like Scott says. And it, and it gets well received, like a perfect example, and going off the rails here, but it's firewood. We don't hide the fact that firewood is a revenue stream for us, and it helps keep our, our rates at a certain level. And I've found that when we explain that to people, they, they go, ah, I get it. I understand now. So again, to Mark's point of view, yeah. we're a business. Yeah, because people always try and sneak in firewood and they're like, oh, I thought it was just because of the Emerald Ash Borer. And I'm like, oh, it's a business. And I say, but then I, I always, wait, wait a minute. I thought it was just because of the thing that's destroying all the trees. So it was fine. No, it's, it's a business. It's a business, Brian. And I say to people, I'm saying, so do you take your own fries into McDonald's? And they're like, no. And I say, that's why you don't bring firewood into a campground. It's part of our business. Yeah. Candice, do you have anything that you shed on? Obviously. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, the audio was breaking in and out a little bit. Were you saying that I have any insights or anything? Do you, you want to add to the conversation that we're having about yeah, yeah, yeah. choose to figure out the ROI and stuff like that? Yeah. So when it comes to the ROI, a lot of our clients, very similar to the way that you guys streamlined the processing. A lot of what you're stating is really like queen of sale items. Like you said, it's a business at the end of the day. It's all about experience and branding and really bringing those people to uh, the threshold. But I think, no, I think the way that you guys are operating the way that you're you're speaking, and especially to what Scott said, uh, I commend uh, b both sides of those parks because uh, that's a really hard balance to keep in between. But uh, yeah, that. Is there inside a, inside a reservation system like Stateless is with all the property management and all the data that's collected about the guests like that? Are there ways that information or those analytics can help inform some of these decisions so they don't struggle to figure out and do their own studies, right? 
Yeah, so absolutely. Through any of the reservation systems that you're really using out there, I can speak to ours specifically, but you're really going to have a lot of return on investment, really knowing how to procure items, being able to make calculated decisions, especially around seasonality. Those are really key factors into creating those revenue streams. So reporting, I think, has been a key feature for any software that anyone's using in order to make calculated decisions. So it just seems like with these different revenue streams, we're able to really understand this is something that really draws people in, even down to as simple as putting out decorations. Those type of things really do get me to stay more. So those investments, though, may seem ancillary to certain visitors that are coming through. I definitely see it from a technology perspective. You're able to really use those reportings to say, hey, last year I didn't put up decorations during October and my occupancy level was at X. And then this year I did and it's at Y. And I think that those are really important measurements that even though they may seem very ancillary, when it comes down to the return on investment, you're, you're very quickly and easily able to adapt to that so long as you have those reports in front of you. So I think this is a larger conversation I'd like to briefly throw out to the group and, and just and all of you, whoever wants to weigh in on it. But for, for the people watching this who are, are looking at this, maybe with a blank stare saying, I run a campground, I don't have time to look at reports, analytics, data, yeah, are you crazy? What it obviously that the reports do shortcut it and wow, that is really right on my face now. Good thing this is a podcast. Uh, I tried to, I thought about selling the webcam software, but I was like, man, maybe my computer will crash. There won't be a show. So I decided not to. But for the people here who are, I look like an angel or something. I can't stop telling you. <laughs> Which I am for sure not, right? Not. So anyway, for the people here who like, you need to make those decisions, right? And maybe don't have the time to dig into the data or maybe don't understand where to start in the whole process. Can you guys help them shed some light on like, how do I, cause you're all seasoned car cars, right? But Aaron and Melody got like obviously a lot of experience. Came from experience. Like, where do I start? What do I, how do I analyze this stuff? Or do I just give up and give it all the characters? <laughs> I, I'd be happy to start that off by saying, I, I love the, the, question you pose, Candace, and I think that the property management system can make all the difference in the world. And I think there's a difference between somebody maybe like Mark and Melanie that are owning and operating the campground, because in their situation, if their general manager said to them, hey, I want to increase kid programming and we want to really make this a big event. It, all they have to, all Mark and Mary have to do is walk out of their office and look and see if people are coming to these events. But the rest of the world, the data will drive the decision. And so as tedious as it can be to say, okay, I had 12 spots registered. I had another four walk up and my max was 20. So I'm hitting the 16. So I'm out nearly at capacity on every activity. That's how you make the case on making the business decision, particularly if the ownership is not there and they're on site. And I think that is the case for a lot of properties is that you might have the park manager and then the owner might be off site. And it's not, you want to be able to pass over the data and say, this is how I'm making this informed decision. It makes all the difference in the world. We're doing what we brought a revenue manager onto our team and it's a very key strategic role for us. And we all know that the space is becoming more adept and more comfortable with the idea of revenue management and variable pricing and adapting your pricing to be based on the demand that you're getting. But it is still funny within the operator mindset, we have this idea that even though we might be adjusting our prices, the competitors might not be adjusting theirs, right? 
Oh, they're flat. They're always flat. They never change their prices. Maybe once a year. We're doing call arounds now and doing that weekly. And we're getting that kickback from managers to say, but they never change their rates. How do you know they're never changing the rates if you don't have data saying the rates are never changing? Unless we look at a data sheet saying week after week after week, we've got the same rates. That's when we can make the case they're staying flat. So I think that these data drives decisions and they help you. And especially right now, this is a real heavy top of mind for me because we are in the thick of uh, budget season. Right. How do we and, make data? Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm just curious. Like, how do we make data? Because I agree with you, right? But a lot of that, a lot of individual park owners and even larger park owners will look at it and be like, huh? No, I'm going home to watch Netflix. I've been working all day and been yelled at by campers or whatever else, right? So how do we make that experience of getting the data or understanding the data easier when they don't have a data analyst like Ivy does? Yeah, I'll give a quick answer and then pass it over. But I think the easy answer is that you automate as much of it as you possibly can. You, you really rely on your systems and on the tools. If the registration for an activity can happen online where the guest does that registration themselves and the GM's just verifying a number, you've made it a whole lot easier on yourself. And, and even if it is, I think that there are times where, where an organization might not have an analyst like, like Ivy does, but I still think there's value in collecting the information because if, as we budget for March right now, it's hard to look back and remember how March played out where you're having to look back at your system and your tools and your notes and however it can easily accurately be captured by the, by the property, by the manager. I, I think it's worth it. All right. Do we agree with this, Aaron, Martha, Melanie, whatever you guys want to. Yeah. But I feel like I'd love to add and something to that, but more less in the data and more in the seasonality. Cause I do recognize as your campground is closing, my campground is not closed, but it's ramping down. Uh, we did a data analysis of credit card processing this week. And we're like, oh, our least performing in terms of occupant month was our highest performing future bookings month. And if I were talking to campground owners who are like, I don't have the time, I'd be like, you might take a minute when you have a second and map out your calendar in a 12 month window and be like, okay, actually in March, I have to do a bunch of marketing. That's when everyone is booking, or at least in California, when we get these warm spring breezes and that while I'm busy in October, people who made these October plans, many of them actually made them a year ago. I think that that's a good data to keep in mind in terms of when are the people booking? When do you need to be mindful of those things and how can you plan? How can you thank your future self for those? for that work. And I think also though, too, it's important to, you can get overwhelmed by numbers and data. Like our system gives us great metrics and we can look at all the reports. And if you start printing off every report, you're going to have a stroke. You know what? You need to say, okay, not that we want to make more money or be more profitable. You need to say, okay, we want to be more profitable in the camp store, or we want to be more profitable yeah. in the food truck. Now let's take a look at the data for that and take a bite of that elephant one bite at a time sort of thing. Because otherwise you just, it can be too much. And you know what? I think that, and Melanie's done a great job. And I think that's how we ended up being so successful with our store is, okay, what's selling? Let's take a look at all the items. Let's support local, but let's focus on that. And then another day we'll look at, okay, what should our rates be? And another day it's going to be, what other revenue streams can we bring in? So one bite at a time. And the reason we do this thoughtfully and carefully is so that we have more margins to get the campaign, right? <laughs> 
when but yeah yeah. hi care camps you all some of you may know hopefully know about care camps and there might be some people on here that might not have heard of care camps so i just again want to just shout out that we are a national nonprofit organization we essentially function as a charity as a foundation to fund camps for children with cancer and their families both across the United States and Canada here. So we've got a big mission. We wake up every single morning here, our, our tiny and mighty team, to, to really uh, put energy into fundraising uh, so that we can give the money to these camps here. We are not a camp ourselves. Some people get us confused that we're a camp and we're actually a national nonprofit here that we fundraise. That's what I'll admit, the first time I heard of KO camps, I thought like you were camps, KOA campground. That's right. That's right. And we definitely have a, a wonderful legacy and we actually exist here. And it care camp started from a, a small group of very caring KOA campground owners that came together and pulled, started fundraising to support children cancer camps in, in their area here. So this was really a grassroots type of momentum that started from a few KOA campground owners that then got the attention of the, the corporate office here. And for a time, care camps actually was under the umbrella of KOA corporate, KOA Inc. And then grew, kept expanding to the point where um, was de- decided for it to become its own nonprofit entity, so that again we could generate more funding when and have even a, a broader outreach in the, the outdoor industry here. So that's sometimes you, there's still some old branding out as KOA Care Camps. That we're a, a standalone again nonprofit here, Care Camps. Uh, when I first, you know, was looking at care camps and entertaining, um, you know, throwing my hat in the ring for this job, I too saw care camps was a camp. So um, we've been really working on the, our branding too here to make it clear that again we're a, a, a national charity, a, a national that works as a foundation. You're on mute. Brian, I think you're. Can you hear me? I think it's Mike or um, Brian's mic might be out. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep going. But can you just run it? Just take a breath here for a moment. I've got lots to say for sure. Just to give you a little bit of our impact here and and how, we, first of all, how we operate. We, we are have a strategic alliance with the Children's Oncology Camping Association. And this is a, a national organization here that, are you back on, Brian? I had myself muted because I was trying to pull up your YouTube videos what I was saying. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Computer is like crying at me trying to share a YouTube video. Okay. You have no idea how frustrated this makes me. That's rather Anyway. Well, it's okay. I was so talking about how we serve and how we function here. We 
the camps that we fund are all members of the Children's Oncology Camping Association. Their acronym is COCA. And the reason why we focus our funding primarily and solely with these pediatric oncology camps is because they're all involved in a quality assurance program. They're all, we know, really focused on professional education and development. We know that our money, the money that is given to us, is going to quality camps. And that's a big deal here. I'm a trained healthcare professional myself, and in focusing on quality is really important. We're really proud to to be a really a, a have this uh, sister and uh, brother type of relationship with Coca here, and and then the so the camps that we fund uh, this uh, year in particular, we funded over 120 camps, and these camps offer truly a variety of programs and services, everything from having an outdoor overnight residential program there. They have family retreat, sibling camps here, and many are branching out and doing virtual camps or camp in a box where camp can show up at a child's home. They can't get to the outdoors here. And in some of the camps also offered in hospital programs and, and camps for kids that are in the hospital. And then even some offer bereavement or grief camps for those, for children, for families whose children have gone. So there's, they do multiple types of programs and services here. And when we tally up really the impact, you talk about analytics here, we do keep track and with the camps. And again, this is data that we get from the camps. This last year, there were over 12,000 children that attended these camps. There were almost 9,000 families that were attended these camps. Actually, there was the sibling. Over 9,000 siblings attended these camps. Over 6,000 parents. And then there's the medical volunteers here. And over 12,000 medical volunteers were part of these camps. And yes, we're focused, of course, on the children. But cancer is not, it doesn't just impact the child. It impacts their brothers and sisters and their families and their grandparents and all the healthcare uh, professionals and um, volunteers that are a part of this experience too. So when we tally up the number of lives that are impacted here, it's close to 40,000 um, just in one year. And the cool thing is here, having gone to, to some of these camps here myself and visited with them, these kids and these families come back year after year. They form community and they, they don't have to explain who they are and what they look like or anything about their illness. It's just a natural community. And so the children keep coming back. And um, repeatedly, uh, many of them go on to become counselors. There's one camp I know, I think 80% of the counselors that they had at that camp were former uh, campers, the kids who had cancer. And then many of them go on to become healthcare professionals. There was a, a woman uh, that I met, a young woman that I met at a camp here, that she was serving um, as a nurse volunteer. Uh, for the, that week, 
she had been going, she was probably in her mid-20s or so. She had been going, started going to that camp when, as a child. She went on to become a, camp, a counselor, then went to nursing school. She now works on the same unit that she was being treated at the, the same hospital. And now she works and serves as a volunteer during the summer at this camp. And not only does she volunteer, her mother volunteers. Her two sisters volunteer. And one of her sisters is a counselor. They both attended the sibling camp. And so what we talk about really is this investment. What we're about is investing in these children's lives. And it's really the, the gift that keeps on giving here. So that's a, a bit of a snapshot here, uh, a long-winded snapshot of what we're about. Do we have the appetite here to maybe play, try to play this video? The crack is just saying we have to go show or <laughs> I would, I'd be honored, but let's with the caveat too, that if it does crash, the video is on our homepage here, carecamps.org. So I do want to, you can just, if it does crash, you can go in two minutes. Yeah, it's going to crash the whole show if it does, because it'll kick me out and then we'll just end the whole show, which is probably okay. a great guess. So is everybody on board with this? Do we want to try this? Yeah, our right, hunger. So then uh, we're going to try to show this video, and then I think uh, at the end, when the video is done here, I'd love to have a conversation about. We have a diverse group of people on the show, so I'm going to give you time to think about it. But just lay out like how how do management companies get involved? In the how do owners of larger properties get involved? Individual mm -hmm. park owners. How do suppliers like a marketing company or stay list? Right. Thank you. Uh, just because I feel like there's a large portion of our audience to ample size mm -hmm. forever. All right, I'm going to try to hit play. You guys tell me if I can hear this. The first name is Ian, and I've been diagnosed with desmoplastic small round cell tumor. My name is Vivian, and I was diagnosed with leukemia. My name is Abby, and I was diagnosed with cancer when I was six years old. There's so many kids who are sad because of their treatments and this camp helps them forget. It helps everyone in the family forget for a little while. It's really nice. It's just a vacation from everything bad. Camp has helped me be the amazing girl I am now because it's helped me understand more about my cancer and more about other people's cancer. Camp has helped me deal with my cancer because it's like a treatment, but it's not medicine. It's like happiness medicine. I think that camp should be a prescribed part of the treatment plan for every child with cancer and for their families. Being outdoors and being with other kids that get it and being with parents that get it and not having to question their meds or why their hair is gone or why they are tired easily or why it's hard to walk. The word I kept coming up with is camp magic. So there's nothing to describe it until you experience it, but there's so much love and there's something indescribable and untouchable that you can't see until you witness. I'm so thankful that there are people that give because lightens and brightens their soul. Just so thankful.
thank you for that part of you who just wanted to give. We need it so badly. Any person who has donated to these camps, you're true angels. You have given my, myself and my son a whole different perspective and a different way to, to look at what we've gone through. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. We would not have been able to do this without your support. And it has been a breath of fresh air and such a break from our daily life of struggle to be here. We could talk to you guys. After I get rid of that frog in my throat. Oh, man. That was great. Yeah, I think for us, I'll just start off as soon as I can stop sharing. I will. But I think for us, we've been a long time, as long as we can, quarter of here, right? Surely, as you reflect back on like history or a longest here, but like I feel like there's probably more that we could always do as as a company or as an organization, but maybe certainly not this kind. And hear it for that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you for showing that video. I, I, that I think it really encapsulates who we are and why we are and really what the, how we can help here. And I honestly, I, well, I was really intrigued with this whole conversation about elevating the guest experience and community building. Those were two things that I heard from your discussion here with each other. And I, what we're seeing and what we're hearing too is people want to be a part of the greater good, as we call it, a, a greater cause. And to be affiliated with this cause here really does get people's attention. We had a, a campground recently tell us the reason why they actually bought the campground or came in. This was actually a, a KOA franchisee that, that decided to, to come into that was because of the, the, the support for care camps, that they were a part of something bigger and greater. And that's what we also, the campers and the outdoor industry here, we, we have a common theme together. We're all about here bringing the healing power of the outdoors and community to people here. We just happen to encapsulate it and focus it more on these special children and their very special families and that really have the need here. So this whole thing of social responsibility and really all galvanizing together for the greater good, I think is really important. Talk a little bit about question right before the video, right? We have a large like, segment of representation, different types of industry, right? Mm-hmm. Not whatever, right? But the type of people they represent, generally speaking, what is the best way for someone to get involved here? Because there's got to be a middle ground of getting opt in, right? Because if it was me, that's a good way to filter the people you don't want camping at a campground. There's a $2 forced donation. They hear, oh, you don't want to do that, then no, right? That would weed out the people who would probably be likely to leave you a bad review or be unhappy, right? Um, right. It probably was. But anyway, thought, like your thoughts. I, I think this is not anything you have to do more 
of. It really is taking a look at what you're already doing. Some of the events that you're already doing on, on, at your, your site here and just incorporating a bit of a fundraiser for care camp here. Well, and that maybe, maybe that's a good place to start, right? Because you've got these good templates on your website that you put together. And I think maybe if you're from an outside perspective, never heard of care camp before, maybe this is your first exposure to it. There's a thought of maybe the only thing you do here is donate cash from my campground. But there are literally 400 different ways beyond that that you can support care through what you're talking about. So I think maybe we should dive a little well, what was interesting too, you were talking about the firewood here. And, and just yesterday, I had a, a campground owner tell me that they're actually using what they do for their firewood sales is that they actually have a sign next to their, their firewood sales that a certain percentage goes to support care camps. And, and more people buy firewood because they really are, they're joining in something. Thanks. That's. Something I know for me, when I'm looking at purchasing something and I see it supporting a greater cause, I pay attention to that more. And I think more, more and more people are doing that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like we work with he's a normally regular guest of the show, Nate at PCN Campground, big supporter of you guys through his DOAs that that group owns. We worked with him earlier this year to come up with really great ways to keep you guys with socials and other things. And one of the ways we did is QR codes and everything generated custom fix work flyers just scan it it goes right to a give date choose two five ten whatever they want even as a recurring subscription they can set it up so it's just as hands off as possible just be a supporter but not just the owner right it's not everybody yeah and i think that's a really important point too here is many particularly many of the what you might call is the the long-term campers here. They love getting involved in this. And you know, we've got, there's uh, one person that calls us up on a regular basis who's a long-term camper at a, a campground, and he's galvanized the whole campground community to do fundraisers. And they just, they make up things. They just make up fun things together. And again, it's this community building activity and also just getting, being a member of your uh, respective communities here. The community loves to get involved. I, I just think it's a wonderful way of just community building here uh, and also just providing, uh, elevating the, the guest experience. Like you said. I think that's the important part is it's a wings for everybody. If you look at activities, right? It's not like certainly you should, or you should, could put a jar out and collect money at the desk, call it a day, donate, write a check once a year to get all the day, and obviously we're all very thankful for a dollar, five whatever it is, right? Yes. But there are ways that you can take that beyond, like we're talking about guest experience, and use some of those templates, green and ice cream, social or other activities that maybe you would have already had before, maybe you wouldn't have had before, but that then you can broadcast on your website and say, look, we have an ice cream social. Yes, it benefits care camps, but look, this is one more reason for you to stay with us in general outside of that, right? So I think it ends up being in some cases a win and with the template even gives you an easier path as a owner to create some of these things without a bigger thought process. And, and even like you said, just the simple things of just putting well, you should have a gate at the exit at a campground that doesn't open unless you five dollars. I love that. There was actually a, a campground owner that told me about they actually hang 
umbrellas from their ceiling in the their office. People come in. And so for loose change, they throw them up. They throw the loose change up uh, into the umbrellas to collect for care cans. And just what a fun, creative way of um, doing that. And we are just so grateful for every penny and nickel and dime and, and dollar here that everyone contributes. And we're community. We're building community and we're part of community and the outdoor community, then just, again, we're so proud and honored to be a part of that and just all the support that everyone gives us. I want to give everybody else the way in. If there's anything you guys want to say about Kip Kip, about parties, but I want to spend the last couple of minutes on that really quick. Don't currently, because she did such a good job covering everything. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, it was like just a very well-crafted and I think I have a different perspective. Like I had an idea of what the program was, but I did not realize the intensity or the levels or the touch. So I think a lot of what your program is doing is a lot like what we're doing at campgrounds, even on a software level, at a group level, marketing agency, and at the park level, which is creating memories for people that are everlasting. And I think that's, I think that's what resonates the most with me. If you were, I was looking at it from your story. Thank you. Thank you. Is it feasible? And I'm just going to put you on this by this. Sorry. But is it feasible to have a checkbox to reservate? Yeah. Yeah, it could be on any, honestly, on any PMS. I mean, if any, yeah, like, I'm asking, like I'm just technologically. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a simple, that's just a form fill in there. It would just have to, yeah. The answer is yes. Sure. When yeah. Follow up after the show. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Scott. I would love to connect with you, Gwen, because I, I'm seeing ways to to connect to this also. The question that I, you watch the video and you feel so connected to the story and, and to, to the emotion, and it makes you want to be a part of it. And what I'm brainstorming right now, and maybe something that you all have already solved for, is how do you connect the dots so that when I contribute, I I feel connected to either knowing what the annual goal was or knowing the kid that I helped or this or that. I'm sure that you all have things in That's place already not to that idea. Yeah, because I think that you want to. Because I think the closer that that the person contributing can feel right. to the result to the act, then the more likely they are to do it. And, and that's what I'm asking myself right now is we've got 13 campgrounds across the nation out. How do we host one of these? How do I get closer to the action? And, and to what Candace was just an answering, is there a way even that, even if you're not in that immediacy, if you don't have that immediacy, how do you manufacture it so that you can feel connected to the mission at the time that you're making your reservation and you donate that $3 to, to care camp? This is I think in. What I appreciated earlier, the conversation around the visuals and the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And this is what we want to be doing more of is sharing the stories. And, and this year, the camps that we funded, they're sharing with us what we're calling the full circle stories here, just like the woman that the young woman I described and how their camp experience how, how it came around full circle, that they're back at the camp and serving it in, in different ways. So we would absolutely welcome the opportunity and the help to help us do that more because these stories are so powerful here. And I got to tell you, there's just some days where, like we all have, we, we get overwhelmed and we're doing all this administrative stuff. 
And I really do. I just, I sit back and I listen to that. I just watch that video for two minutes and it just level sets me here. 100%. And and I'll tell you, president and CEO of a major RV business here, who's one of our top tier donors, said that watching that video here was the light switch. That's when it went off here, that how can we not support this? And um, it's been a, a top supporter of us because of that one video. I will tell you that I think, from my perspective, having actually been to the games, film the early first video that I think Showcats ever had, it was actually like a venture back in 2013. Jim Rogers is still CEO. That's obviously a way different experience. Sorry, like, yeah. there, right? Ask, it's talk, but yeah, like that. But I think what I've learned, maybe this is consequence, the negative way of being there doing that so many years ago, <laughs> is that I sit here with the Scott Epps. This is everybody else, right? Maybe shocks me that they don't all know about their camps as much as I do. And so I think this is probably something that I have way more bandwidth to support on a chin level than I do right now. Yeah. And I just assume probably a wrong, incorrect way that everybody knows this. And then you go to KOA convention, but there's a huge, at the end of the final celebration, there's the auctioneer yeah. and there's the people who get up and tell their story. And it's like a huge, massive, you don't see it at any other convention. And I think it's just about lose sight of how much more awareness there can be. Thank you for bringing that up, Brian, because really, yeah, of course, we're about fundraising and equally as important here is helping us get the word out. I will say we are over, so if anybody needs to help, they are. Sorry. I'm so sorry. So nice to meet you guys. Bye, y'all. Thank Bye. you, Candace. Oh, absolutely. Nice to meet you. But go ahead. Please put it back. It, 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 just to put an exclamation on what you're talking about is... We need to get the word out more. We want to get the word out more. And again, you were a, a tiny, mighty uh, team and, and organization here. And we just appreciate all the extra help and support in that way, both from funding, just building awareness. As soon as people start hearing about us and seeing a little bit of the impact here, People want to know more. And then how can we can get involved? And again, on our website, curecamps.org, here we do have a specific fundraising toolkit and just different little activities. We've also got marketing materials here that we're happy to provide the design for and, and we're continuing to expand that. But ultimately, I'll tell you, if you ask me what I'd like to see in the future here is it's really about that camp, going to camp is a part of every child's medical treatment here in some way. And we want to help these camps innovate the camp experience so that more kids have this opportunity for community, for the outdoors. If they can't be in the outdoors here, at least to be in community with others that are going through the same thing with them. And that's really, these virtual COVID had its curse and it also had its gifts here. And the camps really started innovating during COVID and offering virtual camps and are continuing to do that because it really serves a great need. We're really looking into not only what we do is provide two different grant opportunities, uh, a grant to cover the operate call 
And then also another grant for capital improvement, like different equipment or construction things that, that need to happen. And we'd love to have a third tier here in helping them innovate and expand the programs and services. And, and that's where we really, we need the extra funding for coming down so we can provide that to the camps. And I mean, I know you're going to have like care, the care camps thing is usually the number they put up on the big digital billboard is well over a million dollars. EOA, right? Yeah. celebration. But that's a big, again, I'm still, just from my perspective, self for a second, right? We need to sit down with you and Erica at EOA. There the last year, Mark complained about it many times, obviously on and off throughout the years. But from our perspective, take a look at modern campground. I'm not sitting here imagining. So one, every piece of unsold inventory should probably be in some way not to get right? We're not selling an advertiser on a newsletter. We have an empty space. Let's put a care camp there. We're giving our daily newsletter or our YouTube videos that we're out. There's no sponsor. Why doesn't it say care camps? Thank Those you. kind of things, right? Uh, so for the show, why does it say care camp? Like we are donating to the auction. Well, I think I called Erica tomorrow about that, right? And we're going to donate for what number is, I think, dollars products give away at the show. But that's still, to me, that's not enough, right? So if I can give away other things, see the Thank you. Like we, but I need to have, a, we need to solidify it, right? Absolutely. That's that. Whatever that's, marketing support you need, my entire team is that we do, but then we never just, I got so busy and then we just never connected again, right? It, it happens. And, and we probably, we've gone through it internally. We've gone through a lot of change this year. It's been a big change for care camps. And we were resetting and rebuilding our infrastructure so that we can do more and help more. And there's just times where you've got to pull back a little bit and um, sure. just drink getting out of that on this call, right? We all run businesses. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anything else? Any final thoughts from anybody else before we, I know we're really over, so I apologize to anybody. But I want glories. Any final thoughts from anybody else either on this camp's topic or what we were talking about before guest experience? All right. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say thanks for inviting me along. It's nice to hear other people in the industry. And I was aware of Care Camps came and gave a presentation at the California Summit, not this year, but last year. So that's it's good to have a follow-up, just as Brian saying, remind us of the things we already knew. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you all being here for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Uh, Aaron, Midtown Campground, where can they find out more about your campground? Intowncampground.com or any social channel. Mark and Melanie, where can they find more about Google Lake? Little Lake .ca. .ca and Scott Knapp is ivy.com. Ivy.com. Shortest one we've had yet, I would think. And What's obviously, carecamps.org or all kinds of resources, right? Not only the video, which we've watched again mm -hmm. and again, so you feel like support, which should only be about 30 seconds. Yeah. But you need to watch it during your time. Do that. But also, templates for helping your campground different activities, things like that. And all Definitely. And follow us on social media. We also have a monthly emails letter that we publish. And so just sign on and, and join with us here. But thank you so much for the invitation. And just, again, thanks. Thank you so much for everyone's support and generosity. Awesome. I appreciate you guys appearing on another episode of MC Fireside Chats. We'll see you next week for another episode focused on the RV industry. Take care, guys, every week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks everybody.
joining us for this episode of MC Fireside Chats with your host, Brian Searle. Have a suggestion for a show idea? Want your campground or company in a future episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Get your daily dose of news from moderncampground.com. And be sure to join us next week for more insights into the fascinating world of outdoor hospitality. Hospitality.